You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I am Jesper. And I'm Autumn. So this is episode 36 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. And uh, today we're going to talk about how to handle bad reviews. And I think this might this might hurt a bit, Autumn. I think it might, but we'll try to, you know, you can't make everyone happy. So you're going to end up with a bad review eventually. So, you know, we're going to talk about how to handle that personally and professionally. Yeah, and you know, speaking of not being able to make everybody happy, <laughs> uh, I I recently managed to piss off an eleven-year-old boy so badly that he didn't want to shake my hand. <laughs> That's horrible! You are such a meanie. What did you yeah. do to him? Yeah, well, uh, so it. I'm, I'm, you know, apart from writing, uh, well, you know it, Autumn, but the listener might not. But apart from writing, I'm also a professional soccer referee. And, uh, well, we call it football here, but you guys call it soccer. So I'll try to remember to say that. But just know that if I keep saying football, then, you know, I mean soccer. <laughs> but uh, I'm also a soccer referee. And recently I was out refereeing uh, this match for 11-year-olds. And... You should think when you are refereeing 11-year-olds, you know, as an adult, it should not really be a problem in, in sort of managing things, and usually it isn't. But the thing that also happened was that over the summer here, the International Football Association, or Soccer Association, changed the, some of the rules. So beforehand, it was so that um, when you... Uh, the goalkeeper and you're inside your own penalty area if you did not kick the ball straight out of the penalty area the ball was not in play meaning that the attackers are not allowed to attack the ball but then they changed the rules over the summer so that as soon as the ball is touched it's in play meaning that the attacker is allowed to run inside the penalty area and attack so in this particular match that's exactly what the guy did. So the goalkeeper touched the ball, the attacker runs into the penalty area and scores a goal. Oh. And you should think, well, that's fine because they changed the rules. So you're allowed to do that, right? Right. But <laughs> of course, nobody except the referees ever read the rules. So so both the players and the tra- uh, you know, the coaches uh, were, well, getting pretty upset and angry because I, of course, said that this is a goal. <laughs> they didn't like that. Oh, no. So this 11-year-old boy, he was on the team that was scored against, and he got incredibly angry. And, uh, of course, I tried you know, to explain to them that this is now the new rules and it's that's normal and, <laughs> and so forth. But, uh, yeah, he got so incredibly angry. And then by the end of the match, uh, you know, we always practice fair play. So meaning that you're always saying uh, thank you for the match to the other players, but also to the other team, I mean, but also to the referee. And uh, this 11-year-old boy, he walked straight 
pa- past me. He was he didn't oh. even look at me. He just walked straight past me. Did not want to say, you know, thank you for the match or anything. It, oh, Jesus! It was, wow, that it was that, like you were dissed. <laughs> It's completely by 11 year old. It's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> That's pretty but, harsh. Yeah, it's, uh, I, that was an experience, I, I guess I could call it. <laughs> I, I, that is, that's, I don't know if I'm impressed because that is usually like in a very adult um, or at least a teenager thing to do, but 11 years old. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, exactly. Wow. I'm sorry. Yeah, it actually surprised me a bit, to be honest. I mean, usually when I'm out, if I'm out refereeing like the 16, 17 year olds, uh-huh. then it happens more often than not that the losing team is, they always say thank you for the match, but you they do it like, you know, thank you for the match, you know, yeah. <laughs> angry. Uh, and the winning team are always happy. They always like, yeah, thank you for the match. So you good referee and blah, blah, blah. And then the losing team are always, they feel that it's all shit. It's the same <laughs> thing every time. It's, it's incredible. I, well, it gets so emotional even when you're trying not to be that, you know, I could see how everyone gets, especially young, you're still dealing with emotions. You're about to hit puberty if you're not hitting it. It's all kind of crazy time of your life. Yeah, yeah, but but it's not only the the young one. I mean, uh, I had well, also just the other day. Uh, other day, I was out, but this was a seventeen-year-old match. Okay, and um, it was actually the coach that went ballistic, oh. and and you know he's an adult, so he doesn't have the teenage uh, excuse <laughs> he can use. But uh, he went completely ballistic. Oh no! So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it happens, it happens. But, you know, it's an emotional game. And in sports, you know, emotions run high. And then after the match, he came over and, and said he he apologized and said that I was actually right. So he said, I'm sorry. I just got a bit carried away. So that's fine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, no, you, you have to stomach quite a bit, just like with bad reviews. But you have to stomach quite a bit when you are <laughs> a referee. <laughs> that is true. And so, yes, well, that does really relate of just how to deal with um, unpleasant situations. Now, one thing I we mentioned we were talking last week or our last episode, and we had talked about the Netflix show The Rain, and I right. had said that there was one I was re- watching recently that I've just I'm just so amazed by the storytelling, which is unusual, and the acting. It's totally hooked me to the point where I just I've stopped even wondering what's going to happen because I know the writers will surprise me. Which so one have, is that then? It is called Lucifer. Have you heard of this one? Oh, yeah, well, oh shit! <laughs> now you touched on that one. <laughs> yeah, I gave up on it. Really? You know, I, yeah, I watched like I don't know, maybe six, seven episodes or something that, like that, and then I was like, oh my god, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> I have to say, the so, main that's character is over the top and there's times I'm definitely squirming in like personal embarrassment at how egotistical Lucifer is. Right. But the character development and the story arcs and what happens in each episode, like recently as a one started with a character who was waking up from a, an event. So what the nurse said you were touched by death and you feel sympathy because no one's visited him, and he, but he's like all oh, chipper, and you, you're really excited that he is gonna go, and he is ready to have his second chance at life, and not to give anything right. away. It completely it flips it on its head, and every episode actually kind of goes like that, where what you expect to happen 
is not what happens to the point where I no longer know what I'm going to expect to happen. So yeah, that's really, what you want. Yeah, it's it's amazing storytelling, and I had to I had to look it up because I saw at the beginning that you know it happened to have Neil Gaiman's name in there at the beginning credits, and I realized I had to go look it up, and it was actually because this character of Lucifer is actually based on a character that came out of Sandman, which Neil Gaiman wrote. But I kind of could see why, you know, where this character stems from and why these writers are just really good to come up with this, turning everything on its head to the point where, you know, I usually like to figure out plots. I usually can see what's going to happen. And I've pretty much just given up and I just didn't sit back and enjoy it. But like I said, there's definitely times I think you had to get, I had to get past, I think even six episodes before I really kind of got my hooked. And there's still occasional episodes where I'm like, Oh darn, this one was not my favorite, which is really <laughs> unfortunate. But there are others that I have to say, it's just amazing bits of storytelling and it's truly worth it. It should give any authors um, some inspiration of having a character and stopping and thinking, what is the last possible thing anyone's going to expect to happen? And saying, this is what's going to have to happen, and how can I make this happen? Because it just turns everything on its head, it keeps you guessing, and then it just becomes wonderful to watch and never to have been disappointed. I'm in, episode, in season three, I believe, and it's uh, four seasons, and I'm enjoying how long they are and only watch one a day because that's the way we're still on the road. We're still living this wander gypsy lifestyle. Right. Yeah. And so that is our kind of our wind down time after dinner. We, we watch one whole episode on, on iPad is our huge big screen TV in our camper <laughs> and that it's lights out and time for bed. <laughs> oh my God. Great. A week on the internet with the am writing fantasy podcast. Oh, uh, actually, Autumn, you mentioned. I remember now. Last episode, you also mentioned uh, stories by Iris. Uh, how she's uh, commenting on different things, and I, I guess I'm not going to turn into this uh, repeating things by by talking about Iris. But but I have to say, you know, it's, it's I'm amazed of of how uh, active uh, she is, and I think you also uh, told me offline, Autumn, that. Uh, she says she has and comments a lot on Instagram or something like that. But yeah, we, I think Irish and I maybe just give one more shout out for thank you for all the comments. <laughs> Definitely big shout out to Irish and big hug and love talking to you on Instagram. I wish I'd been there more recently, recently, but between some issues where I actually took even a little bit of a social media break, but then uh, I've, I do freelance work while traveling and um, have been doing some really big uh, book covers and other stuff and I actually hit my data limit and oh. <laughs> so now I my internet is throttled for the next four days and even Instagram is not loading for me so I'm also on another social media break unless I happen to be sitting at a cafe so uh, yeah I'll get back to you anyone who has left me a comment I will be back um, maybe Monday I hope uh, so that should happen very soon but that's always the fun of life on the road is sometimes you don't things don't go as planned i think that's true with anything in life yeah i'm I'm amazed that you can stomach it to be honest i mean you and i have talked about it before i mean it's like so 
in the, during the summer vacations, for example, we, we often like to go to, to Finland. Uh, my wife is Finnish, so we go to Finland to, on vacation. And uh, we like to rent summer cottages in Finland. But, you know, Finland is like, it's a huge country. And there is quite a lot of summer cottages that you can rent. Uh, but because the the distances are quite big, you know, like, well, it's not as not a, as big as in the US, but but the distance between you know a summer cottage and a city mm-hmm. can be you know way too too much of a distance for them to connect summer cottages to the drainage systems or electricity systems or whatnot. So it's it's more common than not that your summer cottages will have no electricity and you'll sort of have a, a shed that you go to do your toilet business in and stuff like that. And for my wife, it's fine. You know, she, she, she grew up with that stuff. And so she's like, well, that's fine. And, and I tried it one year, like many, many years ago, one of the summer vacations, I tried it out. And I was just like, afterwards, I told my wife, I'm never going to do this again. Never, <laughs> I cannot live with like minimal st- I'm, I'm too much of a luxury person. <laughs> I need my, I need my running water. I need my showers. I need my internet. <laughs> so, so nowadays when we have to rent a summer car, this is, there's very limited possibilities for us because I, I, I only accept to rent something that has all those facilities and most of them don't. So, <laughs> so it always made it really difficult for us to actually rent anything because of me. <laughs> well, I think standards are important. I mean, that's why we have the camper now. But uh, yeah, you know, I've lived I've lived in a yurt, which is a giant tent. I've lived in an off-grid cabin with a human ore system. So I pretty much bounce around to whatever works. But I have to admit, I, I'm in my, now in my mid-40s. And I have to admit, you know, so I do have some standards. And I think that's why we've gone to the camper instead of a rooftop tent on our land cruiser like we used to have. But we were talking... Go ahead. You don't get any back pains or anything from when you... I mean, if I don't sleep in my... I mean, for example, this week I was in uh, Brussels okay. uh, uh, for for some, some work-related trip. Uh, and of course, I'm staying in a, in a full, you know, a hotel and stuff. But just the fact that I'm away from my own bed, it it kills my back every time. Well, you have and to... I, can, I can't imagine how it must feel to sleep in a, in a car like you guys do. Uh, you have to remember it is my own bed, though. So we have... a queen-size bed with a feather bed and also a cool mattress topper so ah, it's now we're talking so it's really comfortable anyway. <laughs> yeah it's definitely we've we've made this and designed this so that it is uh you know someplace we can be comfortable otherwise it wouldn't last very long not just the four years we've been on the road no no okay i i can see that so it's not too bad then. No, it's not too bad. It has, uh, you know, I got stoves and sinks. I miss cooking. That's the biggest thing. I'm a foodie. I love cooking big dinners. We had a big green egg, which is a smoker kind of thing when we had our last house. And currently it's hanging out at my parents' place on loan so that I can use it when I go see my parents. But <laughs> um, I look forward to, I would love to have like a gourmet kitchen with lots of counter space. I do think about things like that. I miss cooking, making homemade bread, and yeah. So there are things. You always give up something to go and enjoy something else. And on to today's topic. Ooh, bad reviews, Autumn. I don't uh, know. Yeah. My God, it's a tough one, isn't it? It is a tough one. It's, they're so tough to get. 
And I have to admit, some people read every single review and they obsess over them. I've seen people who <sighs> keep spreadsheets of them, and I am spreadsheets not. Spreadsheets of reviews? Well, that way they know if they've lost any, but that's a whole different topic on Amazon and pulling reviews. They never pull the one-star ones, do they? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. But there I mean, Oh, it's, it's a tough one because... On one hand, I could say, and and this is true, that you know you're selling books on the internet. So, if you can't handle criticism, then you should probably stop now. <laughs> you know, because no matter what you're going to do, you're going to get nasty comments. You are. It's, it's, it's the it's internet. It's just what it is. The internet is just full of people that sometimes they're just mean. You got trolls yeah. that are going to just say mean things, and then you just have people who just because you like it. Or other people like it. 99% of the people could like it. But there's always going to be somebody who says, this is not my cup of tea. And then decides to tell you the 99 ways that it isn't their cup of tea. And oh it's going to hurt. But I think we could break this down because there's there's a, a lot of different bad reviews. And I think there's a level that are the ones you can ignore and we've okay. talked about these before because they're the mm -hmm. ones that say, you know, you and I write fantasy and the reviews that start out with, well, fantasy is not my favorite genre, but I picked <laughs> this up anyway and I hated it. And you're like, why did, if you like chiclet, did you pick up my dragon laced sword and sorcery book? Uh, uh, I don't, because it was free, you know, because we both have permafreeze now. Uh, yeah. Or it was cheap or it was on sale or their best friend loved it. So they thought he'd give it a try. So what are your thoughts on those ones that are just like, you don't even like the genre. Why are you, why did you feel the need to go and tell the world that you hated this book? Uh, yeah. Uh, the one that can really almost make me laugh are the ones where they, they, the review starts like this. I have not read the book, but <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you, well, those I think Amazon should somehow outlaw just right off the bat because seriously, you didn't read the book. Uh, I no. think there is a way of reporting them, but I don't think many of us do. But the one thing you should definitely not do is then comment back because it always looks bad if it's coming from you. Ah, uh, yeah, that's actually a good point because I, and I've seen the, the topic about commenting on reviews coming up several times where people have been debating whether or not should you comment. I mean, this is only not really only just related to bad reviews. It's also related to should you comment, for example, on a good review and say, thank you. I'm glad you liked it or something like that. And for me, it's just a big no. You do not ever, 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 ever comment on a review, no matter if it's good or bad. Don't thank the positive ones and don't try to defend the negative ones because no matter what you do, you're going to come out the loser. And as I have said before, reviews are for readers by readers. And that's it. It's not supposed, reviews are not supposed to, to be for the author. So no. just leave it alone. Yes, I agree. And that is, it's so tempting to comment, to say something and you know, make a comment, but it's not good, bad or good. I, I've seen people, um, and sometimes you really want to know because you see something that said, I saw some misspelled words and I know it's like, I'm like, really? I've had like two editors go through this. Can you yeah. tell me where? But again, it is better to just let it go and 
you're going to have to live with it because that is the number one professional advice I would say we both can give is just you can't comment on reviews. You have to let it go. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not for the authors, as I just said, right? Yeah. So it's, but uh, I mean, I personally really wish that I could stay away from reading reviews. I mean, because it, it is, it hurts. It hurts like shit. You know, you know, you put your heart and soul into your books, and then somebody says that this is the worst thing that they ever read, or whatever they might say. I mean, it hurts, and I really wish that I could just stay away from them and don't read them, but. I honestly, I cannot help myself. I do read them, wow. and when I get a one star one, it it hurts. It really does, and you know, I I can deal with it, but it hurts me even more when I hear about the authors who 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 it derails so much that they more almost give give up. I mean, it's it it's really bad, right? It is. Um, they talk about needing thick skin or not taking it personally, but they really do hurt when you find out someone i think it's a comment the ones that are difficult to me are the ones that really go into what they hated and it feels like they're tearing you or your book apart and that's that is really hard but again they have a right to say that because they're readers and they can say this is what you know that's actually very specific advice that someone else reading it might go Oh, I don't care about that. <laughs> and they might not yeah. bother them at all. But I, I mean, I agree. I, I, Like I said, I tend not to, I actually tend not to read my reviews. Uh, I go in and I'm oh, like, oh. I wish I could do that. <laughs> I, it's like when I need to go update my website or something, I'm like, oh, look, there's my reviews. And I, I'm pretty good at just sticking to the top ones and not looking so much at the bad ones. But I will definitely oh. come back to it because I think there are some gold nuggets in those that anyone can learn from writers can learn from if you can take the pain but i do remember when i did have my full-time day job and it would be time for my annual review with my supervisor and everyone she would comment like everyone else was always so nervous to meet with her and i would say seriously there is nothing you can say to me about my day job that is going to hurt more than a one-star review right (laughs) so that that is actually true and i and i think because uh, you know there is a different level of pouring your soul into you know you're bleeding your soul onto the page yes and that's why it hurts so bad you know of course it can hurt getting a performance review from a new manager saying you're not doing a good job but it's not like i'm not putting my soul into it right no. it, it, you know, there's just some sort of difference between all of that i think so too and i i mean even when i care i always care about doing a good job but there's nothing like opening up your mind and your imagination and your dreams and sharing that with people and having that rejected that inner essence right. of yourself where okay so someone didn't like the task that someone else arbitrarily gave to you to get done by a certain day that they arbitrarily made up there's right. a lot of arbitrariness around that, but to get pinged on something that you loved, it's really, and that you worked, you know, these books, I know my early books, they would take a year each. So this is something you pour your heart and soul. And sometimes your first book, especially, it can be the most painful because one, you're a new author, you're just getting to know, you know, what it's like to get one star reviews. But also, those first books, they often go through a lot more time and development. I think total, my first book from beginning idea to finally self-published was maybe three to five years. That's mm, a lot mm. of time for someone to say, it sucks. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it, it really hurt. I mean, I just pulled up. Um, so I have one of my books um, called Fantasy Map Making. So it's about how to make fantasy maps. And I just pulled pulled up the Amazon reviews on that one. Uh, so I, I'm going to bleed my soul a bit here. <laughs> so so hang on. <laughs> but this book is actually an ex- excellent example of what sometimes happens because this particular book tends to divide the waters. And by, by what I mean by that is, is that it's a step-by-step instruction on how to create a fantasy map, but it's not about how you draw a fantasy map. And some people, that's what they want. They, they want, okay, how do I draw mountains and how do I draw cities or whatever it may be? But that's not what this book is. It, it's, it's, a, it's a guide on how go to go step-by-step to make sure that you get a realistic fantasy map that, that is aligned with real-life geography and so forth. So... Um, one of the reviews that I got here, one of the one-star ones says, this book feels way short of my expectations. There is no good step-by-step details of actually making the map itself. For example, <laughs> I'm looking at including a forest and desert region on my map. What icons or graphics should I use to represent these? Nothing even close to that in this book. You know? So I read wow. that and I thought, oh, what the hell? And and this is exactly where it itches in me to comment on it, right? Because actually the, the book description is, itself says that this is not a book about drawing and he's commenting on drawing. So it, it annoyed the hell out of me when I read <laughs> that one. And, and just to, so here's another one. Not actually helpful at all. A waste of money. Very disappointing. Oh, you see, but that, what does that tell you about it? Um, nothing, nothing, but it just hurts. <laughs> it does hurt, but yeah, it's hard to say. I think thick skin is hard. People tell you you need that, but as an author and as a writer, we are, you know, wearing our dreams on our sleeve basically. So, how do you grow thick skin because you? you know, you need to be close to your subconscious, close to those things that make other people feel inspired or build tension. You're dealing with emotions. Basically, writing a novel is writing out an emotional story that someone else is going to react to. It's, you know, Mm. if if you could make a, a record of emotions, that is what a novel is. Yeah, I mean, of course, this one is, is a nonfiction book, but yeah. it, <laughs> there's just something about, I think you were, you were saying before, Autumn, that sometimes you could take something away from the bad reviews and you could learn something from it. And I, and I think I think there is truth to that. But, but what I would almost say is that I don't think you can do that with the one-star reviews. Just as little as you can take the good parts away from the five-star reviews, because the one-star reviews are just the haters yeah. and the five-star reviews are the fans. So if you want to take anything away from any reviews, I think you should basically just make it a habit of ignoring, even though it's difficult. I know it is also difficult for me, but ignore anything that the five-star says and ignore everything that the one-star says and then look at the maybe two, two three, and four-star reviews because those those sorts of reviews are almost always posted by people who actually put a bit of thought into it. I mean, they are debating themselves, you know, should I put two, three or four stars? And usually, not always, but a lot of the times when you read the review, it has a bit of thought in it. It's not like 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 the one I just read out loud here, like I hated a waste of money, very disappointing. It's like, okay, fine. But actually, if I wanted to, let's say I wanted to update the book or make it different or whatever, that 
that one star reviews tells me absolutely nothing about what I should be doing differently. True, they Whereas do the, tend to be the short ones, don't they? It's very they're short. just haters. Yeah. yeah, it is very rare to get a really long, well written, articulate one star review. Those are going to be the two, three, or fours. And you yeah. know, I I don't think I'm ever going to ignore my fives because I enjoy reading them. But it's oh, yeah, true. They, they are incredibly important to get the five stars reviews. Of course, it is because if you don't have a good star rating on the book, nobody is going to buy it. So, but that but when I said ignore them, what I meant by that was that if you want to take any sort of lessons away from it, or you know learn something from your reviews in the sense of what how should i write things differently and stuff like that then i think the five star reviews will be as little give you as little value or input as the one star will because that's your fans and they will just write stuff like oh, i love it it's amazing that sort of thing you know and, and that's wonderful and i love reading those but in terms of taking lessons away from it it doesn't really help you much yeah, I agree. And I think um, it's also important as an author. I mean, you're, they're going to hurt. It's best maybe if you don't read them or have someone else read them and oh. you know, give you a little bit of a, a feedback. But just keep in mind that they're someone's opinion and you're not going to make everyone happy and just step back from them a little bit. You know, I tried to pull up a couple on mine and they kind of one just made me laugh because it's like there's no way possible way that the five star reviews are real and this is on born of water which is over 214 reviews now on amazon on the wow. u.s store as wow, it wow, is wow. that's yeah, good that's my big one it is a 4.4 star rating which is fantastic it has a lot of fours and fives but yeah. you know this is somebody who did a one who said it's absolutely terrible and trashed it's actually one of the longer one star reviews i've ever read and you know, that's fine. Someone's not going to like it. I I guess I really have gotten to the point where I'm fine with that. I know I've had enough people say, this is a good book. I really enjoyed the story, that it doesn't bother me that there's going to be a couple people who absolutely hate it. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know, Autumn. I, I sort of want to hammer home the, home the point for, for the listener here <laughs> because, I mean... I just pulled up a few here. Uh, one star reviews. Uh, it is not your book or my book here. So uh, if you're up for it, let, let's see if you can guess what, what these are for. So okay. these are one star reviews on Amazon. Okay. So this one goes, it's not a short story like I imagined it would be. It's basically just an introduction of a few characters early life. Very brief and shallow introduction at that. That's what it says. Okay. Do you, do you, can you guess? I mean, of course, you can't guess w- what what book it is because it doesn't say anything. But no. but try to get with which author this is for. Early and life of a few characters. Guess, and now I guess you 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 can you can sort of lean where I'm going. So it's it's not a no name author, of course. No, since I'm pulling doing... this example up. Yeah, that's okay. Just out of random guessing, I'm going to say J.K. Rowling's, but I have oh, no that's idea. So good guessing, <laughs> amazing. Yes, it is. It is uh, short stories from Hogwarts of heroism, hardship, and dangerous hobbies by J.K. Rowling. Oh my god! So she got one. Yeah, well. And, uh, just one more here. So here's another one. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not going to change any of the words, but I am going to omit uh, some parts of it because otherwise it, it'll be clear right away what it is. So I'm going to omit some stuff, but I'll not, I'm not changing any of the words. Right. So it's, it goes like this. Love the first halfish of the book. Then finally, it's time for the ultimate showdown of good versus evil, and the whole thing is over in like three pages. 
very well written book, but that ending did not sit right with me. Wow. What book do you think that is? Oh, I, I hate to say it. I had that opinion about the last book of the Harry Potter series. <laughs> uh-huh. It's not J.K. Rowling. No, but it's not. I don't know that one. I don't know. It's Stephen King. The stand. Really? Whoa. Okay. Well, I have to admit, I haven't read that one, but I know. No, but, I, but my, my point is just here, you know, if you go onto Amazon, you find your favorite author, find your favorite book, and I can almost guarantee you that you can find one-star reviews of some of the most famous authors in the world that are getting hammered like, like the ones that I just mentioned here. It's true. Um, and if they get hammered, then, well, you will too. And I mean, it's it's just what it is, right? I mean, you just have to sort of ignore it and say, okay, fine, some, some, some readers don't like it. And to be honest, your book is not for everyone. And the good news is that it's not meant to be for everyone. It's Your book is meant to attract the kind of readers that enjoy to read the type of book that you write. And those who don't like it, who cares? That's right. Just you have to let it go and you know those reviews are there they're not going to stop someone else from reading the book and maybe only if you only have one star reviews at that point you might want to unpublish fix things up change the title and re-upload it to somebody else but it's not a big deal it's not going to stop someone else from loving it it's not going to stop the people who love it from loving it and it's certainly not going to stop you hopefully from being proud that you wrote it so don't let them hold you back and don't be don't let the fear of getting a one-star review hold you back it's gonna happen there are some people who just love to ruin your day and they might end up posting (laughs) a review that begins i've never read this book but you shouldn't either yeah yeah, I'm I'm really conflicted inside because I, I fully agree and I really honestly think it is true, everything we're saying. But at the end of the day, it does not change the fact that if I get a one-star review tomorrow and I notice it, it's still going to hurt. I mean, I can easily sit here on the podcast and say, well, ignore it and your book is not for everybody. And if you try to please everybody, you will fail. So write to your target reader and not to everybody else. And and so, and it, it's all true. And I honestly, honestly mean it, you know, but it's not going to change my feelings. It's true. It is. It Nothing takes away that pain. Uh, you know, maybe go read a five-star one afterwards and try to focus. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, I I, it's, I love human psychology and I studied it a bit in college. And right. I find it fascinating and horrible at the same time that we have such a huge tendency to, we can have a huge bucket of five-star reviews and four stars and fans who are emailing you and telling you how much they like the book. But it's those one or two one-star reviews that will ruin your month and make you feel horrible. Mm, and they mm. last longer. And stop it! <laughs> you know? Go yeah. read a five-star review. Go. You have to learn to let it go. And just say, you know what? Maybe the book's not perfect, but I love it. And so-and-so loves it. And I'm good with that. And the, and the funny thing, you know, now now that you said that, it made me think that the same thing applies in um, in customer services and customer relationship. You usually say that you need ten good customer experiences to outweigh one bad one. Yeah. So if a customer is upset, you need to give them two good, ten good experiences before they forget the one that they were angry about. Isn't that, Isn't that so amazing? We're such a yeah, negative but... species. We need to be happier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I could say some nasty things about politics, but I'll keep that out of this yeah, uh, podcast. No, yeah, some of the stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, I Absolutely. think we'll keep this podcast uh, politic-free. Please. <laughs> Only fantasy politics, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's a good point, actually. Uh, yeah. But it's true, and it is. It, I think um, that's... I'm going to task all of our listeners, all of them who are readers, go say something nice to someone today. If it's oh, know, that's a, good idea. a book you read, uh, go to leave a good review. If it's just someone you meet in the street, I've, um, I've had some rough times recently. I've, you know this 2019 is my year of heck and yeah. i am just holding out for december 31st when i can watch that sunset and know that 2019 is behind me but i'm still kicking scrambling and fighting but i have taken a really big turn this year to be nicer to everyone i see someone in the store minding their own business and but there, there's something about them i like they're wearing a shirt i like jewelry i like I've actually been stopping people and telling them that, which is totally not me. I'm an oh, introvert. Cool. I'm an introvert. Wow. But this year, I've started trying to let people know that, hey, I see that you're another person and life is shit. And hey, but you're cool. You're you're still here. And I like this about you. So, you know, hey, everyone else do that too. <laughs> that's very inspiring, Autumn, actually. I think that's very cool. Yes, that's where this year has drugged me. I think I will come out being a kinder. You're gonna get a, be a better person now. I am. I'm gonna be a kinder, <laughs> much more humble, and much more sensitive individual if I survive 2019. And I think I'm trying to spread a little bit of good love. So everyone else, I would be thrilled if you joined me in that, in at least with this week's podcast, and spread a little bit good and make up for uh, some of those one star reviews and angry posts that are out there and tell someone something nice today yeah amen <laughs> and I, I guess we could say sort of in conclusion that you know if you can stay away from reading reviews that's probably best you know but learn to accept that the reviews is just a part of author life uh, even when it is unfair so try not to get disheartened and it might just be that that this particular person was not your target reader and uh, so be it you know but next monday autumn and i will be back and we will share our thoughts on how to choose a title for your book so that should be very if interesting you like what you just heard there's a few things you can do to support the am writing fantasy podcast please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at apple podcast and leave a rating and review you can also join autumn and jasper on patreon.com slash am writing fantasy for as little as a dollar a month you'll get awesome rewards and keep the am writing fantasy podcast going stay safe out there and see you next monday